Welcome to Go Additive, where your hosts combine their real-world professional 3D printing experience to deliver valuable opinions that will help you peer behind the curtain of the additive industry. And now, Go Engineer's own Tyler Reed and Tate Brown. Oh, back to the old days. Yeah, back at it. Back at it. So uh, we are coming to you live. Just kidding. By the time you'll hear this, it won't be live. But we're coming to you from uh, a different location. Yeah. You may hear some background noise. Mm-hmm. A more uh, public setting. But it's exciting. It is exciting. Yeah, it feels good to be back. We actually haven't recorded an episode in how many weeks? Two or three? Two oh. or three? I think three or four. Really? Oh, I don't know. It's hard. Well, we had a lot queued up. We had recorded and then they weren't ready to release and they've kind of been trickling out to you all. Um, So we appreciate your patience. Some of the old, the news may seem old, uh, but if you're not like us and kind of constantly in it, it's new, it's new news. Right. Um, Like I think the video that's dropping today, we now have a follow up to it, which is kind of nice. So people who are getting their news from us, actually won't see much of a delay yeah <laughs> yeah and today feels good to me just it's light it's light we're gonna keep it short yeah and we don't have any video as, going on today as so much this as, one won't make it to youtube as much as i love the video it does feel like a little more free if we don't have the cameras pointing at <laughs> it's us. nice and it's just a little bit closer to our roots you know with this uh with this show yeah and it's yeah, it's liberating. Like I don't have my shirt on right now. So <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, it's but, very true. But we can we can do I don't know. This should be fun. So a lot's happened. And again, because we're in this new room, forgive us for the audio maybe echo, being a little echo, different. Echo. Yeah. <laughs> but uh Echo, echo, echo. <laughs> Tyler's casting his voice. Uh but some things have happened. Yeah. Uh in Anything exciting around the house? I want to get caught up oh, on personal yeah. I was Tyler's life. Like oh, you've man. had the bucket now for some time. Yeah. I've you... actually had it parked for like a couple of weeks now. I haven't touched it. I've been focusing on. What? I know. What? Well, it's been so rainy. Oh, that's right. You we know? have gotten a lot of water. We, we've had a lot of rain, uh, thankfully. And, you know, that creates a lot of mud. And I've had other projects to do. So I've just parked the mini and... Uh, just focusing on a fence. <laughs> the fence. Is it, is it going to happen? You going to finish I, it this summer? I started that fence before we started this podcast. Wow. So if you've gotten to know us at all through this podcast, it's probably more through our personal projects. Yeah. But Tyler is a perfectionist. A hundred percent. Like you've oh, God, don't say that. You like mill your your uh, your forms, your concrete forms flat. When the pros are out there, just slapping some plywood up, getting it straight yeah. up and down, and calling her good. And yet somehow mine still doesn't look as good. <laughs> I'm sure they look great. Yeah, I've really come to despise the term perfectionist. Not mm. so much the term, but Why? to be labeled as a perfectionist. Uh, I used to... It's too derogatory. Well, I think it reveals something about that person that 
is way less than ideal because people will say I'm a perfectionist and it will come off as, you know, almost like they're bragging, Mm. right? Like I don't accept anything but excellence. It's something someone would say in a job interview to like tout their talents. Yes. But it's used as an excuse. This is my new perception. Okay. I like this. It's used as a way to shield yourself from criticism and avoid vulnerability. Because you're not admitting what you're bad at? It's because you're unwilling to put something out that you think someone else might criticize. Oh, and we, we, we have talked a little bit a little about bit. this. We have talked a little bit about this. But it, my feelings around this grow stronger and stronger. We haven't it, had one of these conversations it, in a while. It, to me, it reveals a significant weakness in someone's like em- will, like their emotional strength. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty vulnerable for you to say. One, because yeah. I know there's been some introspection yeah, that, yeah. that this has come to light through. Yeah, I'm speaking from a point of uh, like post self-reflection. Okay. And kind of understanding the psyche behind some of the things that I decide to do or don't decide to do. You know, like take it, take the example of even just a single typo. Like I get it. Uh, It's, you don't want to put typos out there. And if you do it consistently, you know. You look sloppy. You look sloppy. But... If you notice a typo and it causes you severe stress over it and you come at it like, well, I'm a perfectionist. I shouldn't have allowed that. You're doing yourself more harm than good. You know what I mean? I had an interesting conversation the other day about this with a friend. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was more along the, the, it was along this, a thought of finance. How okay. people can like get so tight with their finances that they they actually end up hurting themselves being able to take more money in because they're yeah. so tight with the outflow yeah. that they kind of put themselves into this like mental zone where right. it's like you're always going to earn what you earn and you're always going to be tight. Like it just it, it tends to flow into these other aspects of your life. And I wonder yeah. if this kind of relates in some way to where like being a perfectionist just tightens you so much on your 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 outputs that now you're not able to take in um, information, knowledge, opportunity, you know, like it just constricts. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's similar in the sense that it's a common blind spot in the way we see things. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's limiting, but you don't realize it. And in fact, you think it's the other way around, you know, like on the topic of money, I'm imagining a scenario where you have money and you want to continue earning money, but you're unwilling to spend the money in hopes that it would go towards, you know, more money earning uh, projects, like putting your money to work, right? And avoiding putting your money to work at fear of risking it, but that limiting the potential uh, you know, fruits of that. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Um, but you could easily say, well, I just like to save. <clears throat> the conversation that I had was, it, it was because I made a, I bought a new truck. A Wait, little... you didn't buy another one, did you? No. no. <laughs> okay. I bought a new truck just under a year ago. And it yeah. was, you know, the, the used car market's been kind of funny. Yeah, for sure. And we do have a car story here coming up, but um, it it was like either overpay for a used truck uh, with low miles or just buy a new one and mm-hmm. like eat, eat it, you know, just yeah. eat that new cost price. And I had recently made money on a previous truck. Um, so I sold it for more than I bought it. And I was like, I'll roll that into this and it'll make me feel better about it. Well, to this day, you know, because of gas prices and everything, and unfortunately I use that truck as a commuter too. It's horrible. It's horrible on gas. Um, and it's good for a full size truck, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. it's 18 to 20 MPGs, which old me would be grateful for. But current me is like, Uh not only does this truck cost a lot more on a monthly basis because I did not pay cash for it. Mm -hmm. Um, but it costs me so much more in fuel. Yeah. My fuel bill can be four to $600 a month easily. Wow. Just in fuel. So I drive a lot. You know, I've, mm-hmm. I've almost got 25,000 miles on it already. Holy smokes. Really? Yeah. Wow. And anyway, I, I've been beating myself up about this purchase. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, this was an emotional purchase. It's the first new car that like I've, I've really like invested a big chunk of money in. And I just felt silly felt dumb, you know? Yeah. And I wonder if it's this stage of life we're in, whatever. And she's, she just told me, she's like, you can't be in a position where you're beating yourself up about this or being so constricting now and that you give up opportunity to grow or like grow into the truck or, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like you, you, cause I was telling her like, man, I liked it a lot better when I drove a hunk of junk and, uh, I just worked on weekends to keep it up to Mm-hmm. You know, I put new things on it, you know, mm-hmm. wheel bearings, brake pads, whatever. Um, I was like, I, I would go back to that now, having felt what I feel currently. And she's like, that's just dumb. She's like, you need to quit beating yourself up about. Anyway, sh- her her concept was more your thought process is so constraining right now that you could prevent yourself from yeah future earning potential from, you know, working your way into that truck right. or, or whatever else. And so. I've been having this existential crisis yeah. lately yeah. that goes along with finance, but it also goes right along with what you're yeah. saying, where it's like, don't be, don't be a perfectionist. Everything's a balance. You know, I, I do demand like excellence. I expect the pursuit of excellence, but not at the expense of opportunity. Right. So if a good way to go about this would be, uh, you know, give yourself a certain amount of time and do the absolute best you can in that given time period. And, you know, going back to your car example, if you're not doing anything with the time that you freed up by purchasing a newer vehicle, then yeah, maybe you are leaving something on the table, yeah. right? Because mm-hmm. that's what you're talking about is... I traded, I bought time which with, is, that, with that car. Ultimately, I think that's like the purpose of money, right? Absolutely. It's it's to have more control over your time. A hundred percent. I'm glad you, glad you said that Mm -hmm. because that was a part of our conversation too. I said, I got tired of working on my cars. So I did, I bought back my weekends or most of them. Yeah. 
And now what am I doing with that? Right. But like, this is funny because this is like an engineer's life really is like being given constraints or uh -huh. time constraints really and pump out the best model you can iterate as many times as you can given the tools you have and give us the best that yeah. you can when i don't know if this is an artist thing or if this is an engineer thing um but you never are happy with what you put out you know yeah like that's probably like a human Picasso, thing he would probably have thrown a lot of his pieces away, but yeah, someone wanted them. Which, you know, I think that is another, uh, mm, it's another thought I've had. You know, if you're not taking the time to enjoy the output of your time, then what's the incentive to continue doing it? You know what I mean? It goes back to like the idea of gratitude and, uh, giving meaning to what you're doing with your time yeah. right if if you don't take the time to appreciate your own work all you're doing is you're robbing yourself from the motivation that you're gonna need tomorrow to do it again well this is so funny this is so funny because i traveled <laughs> recently i watched this movie on the plane mm -hmm. it's called the outfit okay have you heard of this movie uh-uh um it's got a great actor in it. He's uh, he's the dude who did the voice for the Big Friendly Giant okay. film. I can't I remember saw his that. name right now. Uh, it's cute movie. Okay. BFG. Yeah. Outfit is not cute. It's uh, it's it's kind of a mobster movie, but it takes place in a kind of a tailor shop. Okay. Um, he's called a cutter, and he's very specifically a cutter, not a tailor. Okay. Um, he views tailor as kind of a derogatory term because a cutter hmm. goes to school. They're the ones who make the shape of the suit. They're not doing modifications and buttons. You know, they yeah, are yeah, making yeah. the thing from scratch. Okay. And never heard of that. It's That's well, cool. neither had I. Yeah, yeah, This yeah. movie's really cool, though. And there's a narration that goes on throughout the, the, the movie. And it's talking about how he obsesses over building these suits. Mm -hmm. And in the end, it's a metaphor for life. But I loved it, man. He He talked about, like... I related to it because I don't necessarily enjoy the output um, enough and yeah. I need to find a way to do that. But it made me feel some validation in that, like, you know, it, he talks about the biggest struggle is when someone puts that suit on, like, you know, the imperfections, Yeah, you know, that it's not perfect. Right. And all you can do is just start again. Right. And just do it again. And yeah, that makes sense. <clears throat> that's kind of like. I don't know. Maybe well, I, that maybe that's unhealthy, but uh, finally I related to someone with the same unhealthy attitude that I have. I if get it, it is unhealthy. I mean, how many times do we drag ourselves out to go do something and we think, man, I really should enjoy doing this? Why do you think that is? It's because we beat ourselves up over the result of it. And all we do is we pick it apart, we see what we don't like, we we focus on what could have been done better, and then we wonder, like, why didn't I enjoy that? You know, it's it should be obvious. But it, it's not, at least it's not to me. That's why I'm glad we do this together because like, I, I feel like we really yeah. relate on that aspect. Yeah, this came out of nowhere. And you almost, you had like an A plus segue going on there. Yeah, with the cars. Some, yeah, well, with the engineers and saying <laughs> oh, like, this artists. is kind of what we do with life. Um, or we don't do it in life, but we do it in the workplace where we're all about planning and like sticking to a schedule, sticking to a budget, blah, blah, blah. And just doing the best we can given the tools that we have and the time that we have. And yet it kind of just falls apart once you once you leave the 
the building of your workplace. What do you mean by that? Meaning it's in the workplace, you have this structure, right? And you mm -hmm. have expectations and you have deliverables and, and you have a lot of pressure to deliver on time, et cetera, et cetera. And a big part of business is seeking out ways to do more uh, with a given number of resources. And I think that uh, regimen uh, often breaks down when, when you turn it towards like your personal life. Like you become way less regimented, uh, way less focused on. Because it's a release. Yeah, that's I true. Think. That is true. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I'm not saying that's the way to live, but there's definitely aspects of that where if you feel like you're out of control in aspects of your life, like you could bring more structure to it. Sure. Yeah. Well, I want to get back onto the art topic. Okay. Like we've got multiple segues that we could go yeah, from yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. But like uh, the artistry is something unique. You shared something interesting on your LinkedIn the other day and it was a piece yeah. of art that you made. Yeah, yeah. Well, I kind of made it. That's it, the weird thing, yeah. right? Yeah. Tell, tell us about it. So over the past few episodes, we've talked a little bit about uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning, deep learning, whatever. We triggered some folks with that one. Yeah, with we the did. AI. We did, which is cool. You know, it is, it's an important topic. I think uh, it's shaping up to be maybe one of the most important topics of this upcoming decade. AI? Um, AI, yeah. In the sense, in AI means a lot of things uh, to different people. And I... I'm a big believer that anytime you see the the letters AI in marketing material, it's probably not AI. It's probably just like a lookup table in Excel. But in this sense of these AI art generators, this is this is deep. It's machine learning. And so, uh, so how does it work? Have you done much research on? I don't feel confident enough to like explain it. Well, at least tell us pod. what the output was. Tell us what the input yeah, and output okay. was. So I posted a photo that I created using a program called Midjourney. And Midjourney is one of the AI art generator tools that uh, is out there. Uh, DALL-E, DALL-E2 is one that we talked about on a pod. Uh, Stable Diffusion is another one I've looked at. But Midjourney is one that I got signed up and started experimenting with. And these tools take text prompts, and that's the input from the human, a text prompt. And then it outputs an image, a 2D image in this case. And oftentimes it'll output like four at a time. Mm -hmm. So I started experimenting with that. Which creates cool art in and of itself. Yeah. The quad picture. Yeah. It reminds me of like the Gorillaz art album, album art. Do you yeah, remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, No, but <laughs> no. It's all uh, the characters of the band and it's a different shot. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, it, it does kind of have its own artistic aspect to it with the four quadrants and different art pieces in each. So um, it's been eye-opening. It's been a little unnerving. It's been uh, attention-grabbing to play around with it. Uh, my biggest takeaway is that these tools reveal the limits of our imaginations that 
it reveals how sh- like short they are for mm. for me. Uh-huh. Um because I I actually you and I hadn't talked about this at all. Uh-huh. You went and created this art piece while simultaneously I was like finding this stuff on social media yeah. and sending it to my little brother who's yeah. a graphic designer. Uh-huh. Check this out, Josh. Like doesn't this look like an old oil painting but just heavenly? Like yeah. like if I if someone were to give me a, a commissioned piece and say, "Hey, I just want a some sort of landscape or airscape of yeah, what yeah, yeah. heaven might look like, yeah. right? I'm going to have these ideas in my mind and they hit a brick wall. Like I only have certain concepts that my mind can create mm-hmm. and then it ends. And I found this, this art piece online that is like, it blew my mind because I'm like, I've never imagined, like if I imagined a heaven, yeah, yeah. right. Um, that's what it would look like. And I never could have imagined it. I mm-hmm. never would have. Mm-hmm. But the, these AI tools, they're just doing the best they can with the text prompts. And yeah. they come up with these things yeah. that are just unreal. It's funny how each of these tools kind of has its own native style. So if you put the same prompt into these different tools, you'd get different outputs. Yeah. Um, and you didn't try to sculpt the output by adding something like in the style of you know, Picasso or Salvador Dali or, you know, insert whatever famous or not famous uh, artist through history. You can do that. Um, And it's interesting because there's been times where I've experimented with just very, very simple prompts. And you, because you're searching for not so much, you're not trying to match what's in your imagination. You're trying to understand how does the, algorithm interpret the world you know like one of the prompts that i did was eternal joy that's it just eternal joy and it created this you know heavenly landscape that's so freaking weird uh, on the opposite side i i tried eternal suffering oh my gosh uh, it was pretty dark these things actually tend to be pretty good at doing like dark dark imagery uh that's scary. And then you can do, or you could give it a prompt that's dozens of words long, really trying to sculpt the output and uh, make it very detailed and things like that. So it's fun. I, after, after experimenting with it, I went searching for any engineering tools that, mm, yeah, okay, yeah, Gorillas, the album. Sorry, I'm just web surfing while Tyler's talking. It's all good. I, I wanted to show you that. Uh, I, I have to admit, I have no idea what Gorillas is. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. I don't know what that is. Is it um, a band? Hold on. Like, give me literally 10 seconds. Okay. So I'm going to keep going here. Okay. So um, I went searching for engineering tools that are maybe built off some of the same data sets that these AI art generators are, or in the same vein of like being these deep learning tools. And I found a little bit of research where uh, these tools were, you know, kind of pushed into the third dimension. Mm, I did find a tool called Monolith. 
AI, monolith.ai. Oh, I know this song. Yeah, I know this song. Sorry. Okay, there no. you go. Now you know who Gorillaz is. Yeah, okay, I know that song. Um, I knew it right from that first cackle. I know. <laughs> Monolith AI, I, I honestly could not really understand what they did, though. And I think that's, that's going to be a challenge for anyone who's trying to start like an engineering-related business on these things is just communicating what, what do you do? What's the value? How do you interface with it? Um, and maybe, yeah, I don't know. It has to be like right now very loose, not very strict outputs, right? Like we are just having fun putting inputs in yeah. and having a really loose concept of what comes out the other side. Yeah. I only see these tools being super useful to the masses when you have tighter control of output. That's like what every program you do does, like whether it's CAD or yeah. a word processor or whatever. Um, but as an abstract thing yeah it's awesome and has tons of value as a conceptual tool it's amazing right and and that's the low-hanging fruit is you know kind of taking your imagination uh somewhat out of the equation um at the get-go and giving you a lot of starting points to maybe start fine-tuning so as a conceptual tool it seems like that's probably the first place where it's going to make its, you know, show its value. But I've honestly, I've never seen I, in, in my memory, which we know is not as good as some <laughs> people claim. Uh, it's I have, I have never experienced anything where as soon as someone sits down in front of this and starts playing around with it, you can see that they don't, they, they know it's special and they can't, look away from it and they could easily spend the next hour just toying around with it and it completely captures their fascination yeah and i've never seen anything like that i didn't i hadn't felt the way i felt till i saw those oil painting images Uh uh-huh ever like I just saw something that I had never seen before. Can you put a word to it? What did you feel? This is going to sound silly, and I don't know if it's because the images were heavenly or whatever, but spiritual. Spiritual? Yeah. Oh, wow. Like it felt, it connected deep. Like it hit hard. Mm-hmm. Was it the image itself or was it the the making of the image? I, I don't know. I, I think that the image stretched beyond my concept of imagination. Yeah. Like we, we are always thinking of ideas as designers, engineers, like, and I can think of a concept and I can model it in CAD almost always. Right. Um, in my early days, I couldn't, I wasn't good enough with the tool to really sculpt my idea yet. Yeah. Now I'm better, but my imagination's only so good. Yeah. And so this reached far beyond that and it showed me something that connected with me that I could have never thought of with my own brain or experience or anything it's it's kind of like the next level of what you get when you first use a printer because a printer takes what you have in your imagination 
and it allows you to bring it to life mm -hmm. in a way that is beyond your physical capability, right? Like we can print things that we could never whittle out of wood or most of us like could not machine it or weld it or whatever. It takes our weaknesses in, you know, building things with our hands and elevates it. Mm -hmm. And then I think these tools go a step further and, you know, take us beyond our own imaginations. But we still have this sense of, I created this. At least yeah. I influenced it. Right. That's, okay, so I'm glad you started going the 3D printer route because I'm thinking, how, how can... How can this possibly possibly relate? And I'm thinking, okay, if it just like, maybe I'm not the, the best artist. I can't produce these oil paintings. Mm -hmm. I never would be able to, mm -hmm. not only from just the artistry standpoint, but now, now I'm also creating images of things I've never thought of ever. Yeah. What if, is the future looking like this for additive? Like say I have a problem, an engineering problem, and I send... I sick it. I sick my AI yeah, on it. Yeah. And AI figures out this concept that solves my problem in a way that my brain would have never done, but it totally functions or it gets right. 80% of the functionality right. there. And then I can wrap my brain around the rest and I can make a, right. a functional model based on an AI concept. Right. Um, that's the future. I don't know how long it's going to take us to get there, but that is the future. It's going to start in a way that's very unimpressive. It's going to start in a way that they can solve. It can provide conceptual, uh, viable solutions to very simple problems. So imagine just like a bracket where you're connecting two pieces together and it has to perform in a certain way. Conceptually, we can probably already figure out ex exactly what would be the strongest and then we could figure out we could visualize some methods that take some concessions, but still work, et cetera, et cetera. But that will be the first type of problem it creates. It will be very unimpressive. But imagine doing that on a scale that's 100x or 1,000x more complicated, and it will get there. I don't know when, but it will get there. This is crazy to think. Mm -hmm. I hope it does. Um, man, this conversation took a yeah, total- it totally did. Total turn. Well, start brushing up on your vocabulary because your ability to oh, communi absolutely. communicate yeah. to these tools will be the limit of your, your vernacular. Yeah. Well, I even struggled when you were showing me the tool because uh, I commented on your LinkedIn post and you're like, check it out. Come, come look at it. Yeah. And we put a prompt in mm -hmm. and I realized my struggle instantly was just using descriptive words uh in a way that i'm just not used to yeah using them yeah you know uh or even having the knowledge of what to say you know imagine you wanted to create something like in the style of roman architecture mm -hmm. well do you know what what that's called like the power of the ai tool is that you don't really have to know because it kind of knows but if you really want to sculpt what you want what did we do? I, a rustic landscape in the style of Bob Ross. Yeah, you did something like that. Yeah. And it. what did you think of the result? It was beautiful. It looked like a Bob Ross painting. Yeah. 
It was so cool. It was so, so cool. cool. A, a rustic deciduous landscape. Yeah. And there was yeah. one that was like the fall leaves changing. It was yeah. it was awesome. I wonder if we're going to get to a point where we'll start to recognize these uh, like images out in the wild and say like, oh, yeah, that's a mid journey. Yeah. Like logos and uh, things like that. Well, that's I think that's what's interesting so far. I mean, I haven't looked at these at the granular level, mm -hmm. but I've seen modern art looking stuff like what you posted. I've seen oil painting looking pieces of art. Yeah. And I've seen um, the Bob Ross style. So yeah. yeah, his were oil paintings too, but they didn't look like that uh, right. 16th century oil painting type right. stuff. Um, man, it's so cool. Yeah, it's and so I've, cool. I've already come across uh, at least one YouTuber who is a photographer and like he was already a digital artist and he started using Mid Journey to just create initial like kind of characters. Yeah. And then taking those, using those as inspiration for in-person photo shoots and then compositing the real wow. photo into the mid-journey photo. And you got rid of having to do like a lot of costuming and, and things like that. Wow. So I think you're going to see some amazing things with compositing. So it's a cost um, savings for him with, and producing a better result. Well, it's a matter of doing it or not doing it. Just like the printers, you know, how many things do, would we love to do? But like, I don't have the time or money to make that oh, well, I can print it, it's it's enabling. Yeah. And I think this will be an enabling tool. It's to also triggering. When I sent this to my little brother, oh, I, I thought yeah. he would be more impressed. Yeah. I thought he'd be like, oh, that's cool. Uh-huh. Instead, he fired back with, well, that's like, that's a little scary because he's an artist. Yeah. He's a graphic designer. Yeah. Like He's like, I don't think my job's in trouble yet. He's like, but as soon as this can st yeah. start coming up with marketing concepts and things like that, like this could get this could get hairy. This is a actual example of what we talked about not many episodes ago, where new technology comes comes out and it does threaten people's livelihoods, like in their current state. And the technology is going to push forward, so you have to adapt. There is, it's adapt or die. This is a this is an actual example of what we were yeah, talking about. A hundred percent. And I get it. Like I am empathetic of him having that initial reaction of, oh, this is a threat. Well, and it it some people aren't idea people. Some mm -hmm. people are idea people. And some people are idea people that can't even begin a project, like yeah. say a mechanical project, and that's why they hire an engineer. Yeah. They're a problem solver for them. If AI gets good enough, like, and this is fun because this is more a personal mm -hmm. abstract that we're creating. Mm -hmm. um, and this has enabled us to do that because what we were talking about was automating, you know, tasks like yeah. a bottle opener or something like, or yeah. a bottle cap installer. Like physical tasks. Yeah. Now, now we're talking about our jobs. So it's a little closer to home. Uh-huh. But I still think like, this is an interesting threat because if all of a sudden now Mr. CEO or president doesn't need to hire an engineer because he has this tool that takes his ideas and creates a concept model yeah, and he can create five of those or whatever yeah. and choose the best one or yeah. just have an entry level person that's like, yeah, this is the right. best of five. This one worked best in our testing or whatever. Like all of a sudden your job kind of Dude, is it, threatened. It's crazy. The power of perspective. Because 
I, as soon as I saw this and I had some seat time in it, my mind was overflowing with potential opportunity. And I immediately went and I thought, okay, I need to find every resource I can to start learning how these things work so that I can better understand the, the, the structure of it. Mm-hmm. And, and I started, you know, kind of looking for other ways of applying this technology. And I knew like, if you, if any one of us wanted to, you could, you could go start a career in this and you would be in this space and you would still be at the very beginning of it. You could write out your entire career on this. I have no doubt these type of tools. I have no doubt. Even you could make a career out of just explaining Pretty, uh, these tools. provocative thought there. You seriously could. I think I agree with you. Um, they're not going to go anywhere. They're just too powerful. And they're, they're too powerful and too accessible. Like anyone who's listening to this can go and sign up at MidJourney and start playing around with it. And we are not sponsored by MidJourney, by the way. No. Um, I don't know where it's going to go. It's going to scale uh, very fast. I don't know where it's going to end up. But many, many businesses are going to be built off these type of tools. Well, we got to keep this episode short. I think that's a good place to uh, to kind of wrap up. But um, I actually have a bit of news from Juicy Filaments. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so I think it's important we get this yeah. out of the way quickly. Uh, Jeb, who is the president, CEO, and founder <laughs> of, of... He's also the janitor. One day we're going to have him on in like one of those silhouetted like <laughs> videos so he can with a disguised yeah. voice and he remain, can read one of his own. Remain anonymous. Um, so this is uh, this is fresh off the press. Now, <laughs> this is so funny. This is basically a PSA from Juicy Filaments. They have an apology. This is an official apology. OK, you ready okay. for this? Hey, printheads. We know there's been a burst of Juicy Filaments talk in the news lately, and we need to come out and say we're very sorry. (laughs) So very sorry. We're deeply sorry for our line of juicifying fragrances. When we create a new filament, sometimes we bring it to the masses too quickly. Midnight Obsession had high expectations, but with it came came noxious fumes and not the delicious aroma we promised. Now Juicy Filaments will go back to the basics. Enjoy our greatly discounted classic PLAs and receive free with any purchase your choice of childhood mac and cheese or Aunt <laughs> Malperta's apple pie PLA from now till 9.37 p.m. on Labor Day. Uh, juicy filaments. Print juicy, my friends. <laughs> I love it. Um, so <laughs> that was quickly followed by another prompt from our CEO over there mm-hmm. uh, for our fake PLA brand. It's that, not so fake. It's gonna. It's it, becoming a real thing. It's becoming real. I <laughs> expect some pictures here in the future. Yeah. So bounce over to our YouTube channel because he showed me some preliminary sketches yeah. for some of these PLA filaments. They're fantastic. Uh, <laughs> anyway, let me read this part too real quick. Hey, print heads. Recently, you flooded our inbox with questions about our juicy filaments. We'd like to take a minute to answer the most pressing question. What makes juicy filaments so much better than the competition? Now, I'm going to warn you, hang with me. This is very technical information here. Okay. So those of you who may be chemical engineers, you'll understand this. For the rest of us dummies, we'll just carry on <laughs> listening. We think it starts with our process of parenthetical hyperventilization. When we halcyon varnish, 
are monofilament and malformed non-congruent vacuum of subcontinuous parallax ions are aligned. The Venturi nozzle then goes into a state of emergency to trim the filaments with parenthetical hyperventilization, giving your printer what it craves the most. Now, this is the mystery. I don't know what your printer craves, but evidently um, it craves juicy filaments. So juicy filaments, we're pushing the build envelope into the future. And that's given to us by our lovely Jeb. Jeb is working hard on these PLA, these, <laughs> these pretend. I love it. I love it. Things. So I love it. Anyway, we this should, is brought to you by a fake brand that we love so dearly. We should cover one more thing briefly. Okay. So the episode that's going to post to the YouTube page today is the discussion that we had about Nano Dimension buying like oh, 12% yes. of Stratasys. We didn't follow up on this. No, but there has been news in the meantime. So on that episode, we we theorized that, hey, maybe this is an attempt at a hostile takeover. Yes, and it it's been proven that we were not the only people concerned about so that. So we were on yeah, that news came out like the next day after it was we, like a week after it was we like made a week. that. Was it a week? Yeah, it was like a week. Well, can you give us a, a quick rundown of kind of what happened? Yeah, so basically Nano Dimension came out, they announced, hey, we bought twelve point twelve percent of Stratus's uh stocks on the open market. And that was like, okay, well, why would you do that? Blah, blah, blah. We have a whole episode of talking about that. The next week, Stratasys filed documentation uh, with the SEC with something called a rights plan. Rights plan is also known as like a poison pill. These things are becoming more popular. Um, and a poison pill is basically a plan that limits the ability for someone to, you know, kind of carry forward with any plans for hostile takeover. Hostile takeover meaning you buy enough shares that now you... You've got a seat you, at the table. You the have board. a seat at the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the poison pill is essentially, in this case, any single shareholder who was came into possession of 15% of the outstanding shares, anything that they buy beyond that, everyone else would have the option of buying a share at, for one penny. So let's say that Nano Dimension hit that 15%, and then they went to buy another share. They could buy it at market price, but every other shareholder would have the option to buy a share at, for one penny. At a fraction. Yeah. And so it, it dilutes... Uh, the equity very quickly. So if they bought an extra 2%, they would be paying market value. Everyone else would be paying one penny and it would it would dilute the val the equity value like immediately. Now, how does that affect other shareholders though? I mean, if, if you're just someone sitting on some shares yeah. casually, all of a sudden <laughs> Your, your value is diluted too, right? Like all these other big guys start If investing. you did nothing, yeah, you it would. Like if you did nothing, if you just sat and did nothing, yeah, it would hurt you. So in reality, the it's such a significant downside. Like the idea is no one would even try it because it would be impossible. You would have, for every one share you buy, you'd have, you know, hundreds of thousands of people with the opportunity to buy a one and they would and it's all proportional so if you bought one 
they could buy one. If you bought two, they could buy two. Yeah. So what's the key takeaway here? The key takeaway here is that there will likely be no hostile takeover. That's <laughs> okay. it. It didn't seem that hostile, but it definitely seems like Stratasys was taking the precautionary measures to make sure that it couldn't happen. Yeah. It did seem a little more extreme, but you know. Yeah. You'd do the same thing, right? Protect yeah, your I think company. so. I think so. Well, on that note, we better uh, we better wrap things up. Yeah, I think so. Thanks for sticking with us. Uh -huh. um, those of you in the U.S. and outside, thank you, thank you. Uh, we've had some movement in the countries outside of the U.S. that are listening. Oh, so yeah, it's kind of we? fun. That yeah. is cool. That's very Ger cool. Germany's moving up there right below the U.K. So right on. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, international audience. So welcome to the club and um, yeah, stick with us. This episode was a little different, so. It's back. It's closer to our roots, you know, like the first uh, 45 episodes. <laughs> yeah. So stick with us and uh, yeah, we'll talk to you soon. All right. See you.